This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Matchless, and the author is Mr. Anonymous, and Mr. Anonymous joins us now on Author Talk. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Anonymous. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> this has a great, happy ending. Uh, it's a, You call it a semi-fictional memoir of your internet dating journey. And it's a self-help book with internet dating tips and warnings and protocols, even as a comic look back at your life as an internet dater. And, and of course, a love story for our ages, the post-married dating crowd. I mean, this one has a happy ending because you're going to get married soon. Yes, I am. Actually, I'm engaged and I'll be married in July. So, Well, congratulations. I can go forward to it. Yeah, it was kind of the, she, she is the final chapter of the book. Right. Well, of course, the final chapter of the book and uh, the new chapter in your life. So fantastic. Exactly. Well, Mr. Anonymous, uh, of course, we're protecting all the uh, innocent here, including yourself, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I think I wrote it anonymously for a couple of reasons. One, I think it helps me to write more honestly. Sure. And I am engaged, and I don't know if, you know, I just like to keep it, you know, between me and her. Sure. You know, her being the final chapter, my fiancé. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, Internet dating is like anonymous dating. I mean, you really start out, you could be anybody until the first meet. So I thought it was kind of a catchy way to present it. So after 20 years of marriage, you found yourself single. You've got some kids. Uh, you're not knowing what you're going to do. What prompted you to start using the Internet? Basically, it was, a, it was an advice from a younger associate that I work with. Because honestly, what last time I dated, I don't even think the internet was around, or if it was, I think Vice President Gore was just getting started. <laughs> so it it was all new to me. I mean, honestly, I think the only computer I had was an old Commodore 64 that we used to play some golf game on it. So it was all new to me. And, you know, I'm really not into going out to clubs and bars and things like that. So I just found it, it was kind of intriguing. I remember when I first talked to him, he mentioned the word internet dating. And I just, you know, I think the word kind of hung in the air, and I thought, you know, this is something i got to try. Well, you call yourself a regular, normal, dateable guy, so you're kind of like your target audience, and you, you know, you got some advice, uh, obviously, uh, you got some advice from someone to try this, but how should one get started with internet dating? You know, I think if you're, especially for folks in my age bracket, you know, approaching 50 years of age, if you've never done it, I, I personally think it's the best use of the internet ever. And really, to get started, you just kind of have to pick a site and just jump into it. You know, in my book, I do offer a lot of internet dating tips and protocols and warnings, but there's a lot to know. I mean, just from what kind of screen name should you use to filling out your questionnaire, things like that. You know, for example, money's a good topic. You know, I guess what they say is money, it's, it's in relation to something. You really don't know what it's in relation to, so it's best just not to answer that question. You know, when I first started, I answered all the questions and just filled it out. So I think, you know, there's a lot to, to know, and, and it just takes a bit of kind of wading through the process, but, you know, it's a lot to learn. Well, what was the most difficult thing when you started Internet dating? 
You know, I think it was probably just getting started. Once I jumped into it, it all kind of happened pretty quickly. I think a lot of people are reluctant to do it. I was reluctant to do it, thinking, you know, this isn't for me. Normal people don't do this. But once I started, once I made that initial step, you know, I started kind of shopping around for ladies, so to speak, on the Internet. And personally, I love first dates. I just absolutely enjoy first dates. I, you know, had no problem with meeting somebody for the first time. So really the most difficult thing for me was getting started. Now, there's got to be uh, are there some tips you can give, uh, protocol. How do we deal with, you know, selecting that first one? Well, I was pretty non-selective, thus the content for the book. And I kind of break my dates up into three different categories, one-hit wonders, relationships, and then love. There was only one love. I had a whole host of one-hit wonders, meaning it was one date and done. Relationships, you kind of spent some time together, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I think to be selective, I think it's more important for the, well, it's probably equally important for the ladies and the guys, but maybe more so for the ladies. And I think the women like to get to know you on the Internet and correspond. I think the men kind of like the hunting aspect, you know, just going out there and looking around. So I think the only thing initially is be a little bit selective. Try and find someone who does have interests and likes that you like, you know, similar backgrounds, things like that. It just makes the process a whole lot easier. Now, you spent two years on the Internet of trying to find that special someone. Is there a time, general timetable here? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. In my journey, I found a lot of people, which I call them serial daters. They're never going to get off the Internet. I mean, they just want to date for the rest of their lives. So I don't know. I mean, I think when it happens, it happens. I think you know it. It's kind of a funny way to look at it. But I think you know the person's the right person when you both decide to get off the match together. I think that's kind of the new I love you for this, for, for Internet daters. Now you didn't, but, it's hard, but I really can't give it a time limit. You know, for me, it took two years. I'm sure other people, it was a little bit quicker, and I'm sure there's other folks still on there. You didn't find very much written about this. No, and there really isn't a lot of books about it, especially from a self-help kind of protocol. So, you know, and I would tell some of my friends, some of my buddies about my Internet dating sagas, and they would laugh and you know, I often heard the comment, you really ought to write a book about this. It's hilarious. So that's what I decided to do. But within my book, I wanted to kind of interwind some self-help tips. So I have everything from getting started, how to select a good screen name, to, you know, what's the process. Typically, I would send out about 20 emails or links and just to see, who, you know, just from people that I was interested in, and then you wait for the responses. And then from there, you usually get one or two that you start a dialogue with, and then out of that, you pretty much end up going out with one. Uh, do you give some examples of the interchanges? Yeah, I do. I mean, the, the book is kind of broken up into first getting started, the whole process of the internet, you know, how to select a, uh, you know, how to select a uh, internet dating company that you want to work with. You know, they're all pretty similar. I think the funny thing I found, you know, they all claim that they're free, but they charge you when you want to contact somebody. Well, I mean, <laughs> isn't that the point? Right. So. You know, they cost, you know, I don't know what it is, $30, $40 a month, but it's well worth it. Right. Well, it's a business, and look what the result, if you're like you. you exactly. Know, and it's a, great, it's a great way to meet people. I think a lot of guys get all dressed up. They head out to some nightclub, and they probably have too much to drink. They walk around the bar all night looking at ladies they want to talk to, and they never do. So this way, it's kind of a prearranged meet. And, you know, I think for the first meet, it's very important. You, can, you don't want to make it anything too long, you know, I think. You know, maybe drinks and appetizers after work, coffee at Starbucks, something like that. You don't want it to be a full-fledged dinner for the first time. For obvious reasons, you could be stuck with someone you don't want to be with, or she could be stuck with you. 
Certainly, this is serious, uh, obviously a very serious subject, but at the same time, you put the humor edge to it. Yeah, I did, because I, I really had a ball with it. I just absolutely enjoyed Internet dating. You know, and I wasn't that selective. I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I had no problem meeting anybody, you know, for the first time. You know, I dated a homeless girl. I called her Urban Chic, which later I found out she was homeless. You know, I dated a woman who really just wanted to eat chicken wings. <laughs> I that, that, that was a really interesting <laughs> night. You know, I dated a younger girl who basically walked out of the first date because she didn't, you know, because I was very honest and told her I didn't want to have any more children. That's a, that's a deal breaker at our age. Either you want more kids or you don't. I have three children. Two of them are in college. I did offer them to adopt my two college-age kids, but she didn't go for it. Well, here's a tough question. Did you regret any of your dates? You know, I don't think I did. In, in a weird kind of way, I think they all contributed to my final relationship or my final, the woman I fell in love with and who, who I'm engaged to, my fiance. And it's not that I would have loved her any more or less, but I do appreciate her more. Because I went out with some real strange people and you know it's no fault of the dating companies they're just an internet provider they just provide a, a format for two people to kind of get to know each other electronically and then to see if it you know enters the physical realm so no i really don't regret any of my dates towards the end of my saga though i was getting a little bit tired of tired of it and i was ready to walk away from it and and that's when i met my fiance Obviously, when you go through what you went through after 20 years of divorce, it could really affect your self-esteem. It really could affect your whole emotional level. You may not think, you know, who, who's going to love me? I mean, is this process, that help you get back to that you can be loved again? It, absolutely. It really did. And I think there's a lot of people in my age group that after 20 years of marriage, you will find yourself divorced and alone. What do you do? How do you start over again? I think there's a lot of lonely people out there who may want to have another relationship but aren't just really sure how to go about it. They're not out and about like they may have been when they were younger. So, yeah, it did help my self-esteem. It was interesting not dating in 20 years and then dating again. You're really not, you know, you forget a lot of the little things. So uh, it did help my self-esteem. It was good to get out there and date again and to meet people and just to kind of, you know, socially be out and out and about. Someone listening to this interview may say, well, you sound pretty confident, Mr. Anonymous. Uh, can I do this? Can anyone do this? Yeah, really anyone can do it. I really think there's somebody out there for everybody. You just kind of have to wade through a few first dates to find them. But what I like about Internet dating, it's just it's kind of a preset way to meet somebody. You know, it's almost like a blind date where you don't have to be fixed up by a friend, and then if it goes wrong, you're worried about your relationship with that friend. I have a few of those as well. But, uh, so that's what I like about Internet dating. Really, anybody can do it. You just kind of kind of put yourself out there. You know, it, it, honestly, you, know, you may send someone an email or a wink and not get a response. It's somewhat hurtful, but I usually blame them. I figure they got you know, hit by a train that afternoon and couldn't get back to me. <laughs> and you're going to share your mistakes I am. I, you know, and I, I give a lot of good tips in there. I mean, I think everybody has somebody out there for them, you know, and, and there's different kinds of people in the world. It's interesting, these Internet profiles, they ask you about certain things. But, uh, yeah, I'll share my mistakes in the book. I share, you know, the good dates, the bad dates, the ugly dates. I share it all. Also, throughout the book, I inter interwove these, like, you know, little tips. I call them Internet dating tips and protocols and warnings. You know, one my son actually taught me. He's like a college-age kid. He's really into technology. He taught me a way to hit my phone so to make it ring, so I kind of the pretend phone call. So I actually, <laughs> this date was just terrible. It was with a cat lady. I was in her, 
And I went to pick her up at her house. She must have had 36 cats. I'm, <laughs> I'm a dog guy. So I actually hit the call. It rang myself, and I pretend, this is awful to admit this, but I pretend called myself that my younger daughter was stuck at the mall. She got ditched by her friends, and I had to go help her. So in the end, it worked. It got me out of the date. Well, and in the end, it saved her a lot of emotional roller coaster, I guess, as well. Probably. And that's a good one for the ladies. You know, I commented in my book, you know, I'm a normal guy. You know, I've never been in a witness protection program. I don't live in my mother's basement. But there's a lot of strange guys out there. So one of the first and foremost rules of Internet dating, especially for ladies, don't ever, you know, let the guy know where you live, have him pick him up at your house, mm. or really be alone in his car until you kind of roll out any and all sociopathic tendencies. Mm. And that, yeah. that may take a few dates. Yeah, and that obviously is a very serious edge to your book. Yeah, you want to be safe and smart about it. You know, meet in public places, you know, restaurants, things like that, after work, you know, have a drink and some appetizers. Yeah, you definitely want to meet in public. Well, it sounds like a male book only because it's from your point of view. Can females learn from this as well? You know, I think they can because I am a guy, a typical guy at that, and I think it's always easier to criticize the other team. So I think there's more kind of tips for women in there as there are for men. You know, especially when it comes to screen names. I'll list some examples of some of the screen names. Yeah, I'm amazed what some people put down. One is Stalker. <laughs> you know, Any Honest One's Left. Uh, a whole bunch of them. But, you know, it's, you got to think about how is a guy going to read this and what's he going to think about it. Right, right. So well, there's, there's tips in there from, you know, how to do your screen name, filling out the profiles correctly. You know, a lot of people don't really fill out the profiles in that what they like or are interested in. They kind of think of it what they would like to become someday. So, you know, for example, if you never played tennis once in your life, just don't check the box. Well, you put this adventure twist on it, a uh, little slant. It's, it's, let's have fun with it, right? And, and you're going to meet some great people. You really are. I mean, I really don't regret any of my dates, and I had some really bad dates. I really did. One date, I mean, I'm, I'm approaching 50, and if this woman, you know, she was much older. She had to be in her late 70s or 80s, but she was such a sweet and charming lady. We just had the nicest conversation, and, you know, we both know it wasn't going anywhere, but I didn't regret that date in the least. So I think it's a great way to meet people and to kind of, you know, to, to get back out there in kind of a social environment, especially after a long divorce. I mean, I don't think any divorces are good. Mine was kind of rough, and, you know, it's still somewhat not over, but um, it's one of those things. If you really want to move on after divorce and meet people, you can do this. And I guess in the when it really down to the bottom line, the end justifies the means because look at you. Yeah, exactly. I'm engaged to be married, and I think I'm as happy as I ever was. But she's a wonderful lady. We actually met online. Uh, you know, and actually we came from the same hometown, and we didn't even know each other. You know, it's not that big of a town, and I think that's the way it works for a lot of people. There may be a great guy, you know, a half a mile from you, you're never going to know. So this way, at least if you're out there internet dating, you do meet people. But yeah, we felt we met on match, fell in love, and we're going to be married this summer. Well, it's obvious that there is life after divorce, especially in this high-tech world, and you're proof. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm not that much of a high-tech guy, but, you know, and I'm not a big user of the Internet. If I'm taking a vacation, I may check out travel sites, things like that. But, honestly, without a doubt, I think this is by far the best use of the Internet ever. You know, from a guy's perspective, you could, you know, sit at home in a dirty old sweatshirt you had since college and peruse the Internet and find somebody that – catches your interest that you may want to start a relationship with. We've been talking to Mr. Anonymous. He is the author of his book, Matchless. Uh, tell us how to get your book. 
Uh, the book is available at Amazon.com and also with Author House. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, very insightful and obvious. You're living proof that it works. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And, yeah, it's one of those things. I hope this book helps some people who don't want to be lonely to get out there and uh, to see what's out there and to start dating again, if that's what you want to do. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hey, moms, juggle your hats with our mom of many hats, Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Moms are always juggling their hats. And sometimes it's easy for moms to forget their value when life calls for switching from role to role. But the ability to juggle so many hats is priceless. She is never just a mom. She's a decision maker, coordinator, creative genius, counselor, a friend, an authority, and a leader in her household. On Mom of Many Hats Radio, we'll be talking about the hats that you as a mom juggle. We'll acknowledge your importance and support in helping you and all moms to not just defend your value, but to believe in your value. For more on the show and Angie, check out her website, azmamaminihats.com. She is a strong woman. She is powerful. She is wonderful. And she is valuable. Mom of Many Hats with Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Twilight. And the author is Dalina. And Dalina joins us now on Author Talk all the way from Belgium. Hello, Dalina. Hello. Good to have you with us. This is going to be a fascinating discussion about uh, what some people may say is... Uh, a fantasy of yours, but it's more than that. Uh, it concerns Michael Jackson, and we'll get into the details. Let me read a couple things you've written so everyone understands in general what we're going to talk about. Twilight is a book speaking about miracles that happen even in our modern world. I tried to find the right words and describe how the spirit of Michael Jackson approached me dazzled me and changed my life forever. You also say this, this book has been entirely inspired by Michael Jackson, and I consider it a testimony of love and admiration for him as an artist and as an, exception, as an exceptional human being. Everyone who loved and respected him can be moved to read how he appeared in my life all of a sudden in a magical, unreasonable way. 
Now, most people would think you're some obsessed fan of Michael Jackson, and you're not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> You've never, you weren't even a fan before you had this experience with I his spirit, as you put buy, it. I, I didn't even buy an album, and I was very ashamed of it at the time. <laughs> I mean, in, in July 2009, when I realized what is happening... And the dreams I had every night, I was dreaming of him every night. And I was waking up very ashamed to never have bought an album of Michael. Never. So, yeah. So so this book uh, basically details this experience. Yes, yes. And I was trying to to put it in order, um, how it went day after day. Um, so I, it, it began. I began to feel strange things the moment I heard about his death, but I didn't believe it. So for a long time, I was fighting back that strange thing um, coming like that into my life. I didn't understand what it was. It was a lot of music, and seeing that I was a pianist, I was playing piano, classical piano. I didn't know that music that I was playing in my head day and night. <laughs> hmm. Very strange. Very strange. So this is what I try to explain in this book, how, how, I, how I made this adventure. I was in this adventure from the beginning when I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. And how we, I, after the days and the nights passed and the time went on and I began to paint, to make paintings. And so I describe what, uh, what happened from the moment it happened, 25th of June, June 2009, until December 2009. This is Twilight. So about six months, you had uh, dreams all the time? I mean, like every night? Yes, almost. Uh, the dreams began to be, uh, from the moment I began to, I, I started to paint, the, 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 it, came, it became calmer. I explain a little bit in the book how it, it, it went uh, calmer. I, I had to begin to eat and to sleep because I was really very, very bad. I couldn't sleep for a long time, I think two months. It was always obsession, always dreams with him waking up and crying in the middle of the night. He died, he died, like, things like that. And um, Afterwards, it, it went calmer. I began to dream of him three times a week and even now. So we are almost three years later. I still dream of him. But it's not every night. So your book is written from the point of view of a person named Danny. Yeah, it's, my, it's how my family calls me. <laughs> okay, so it's, so it's you through uh, this, this alter ego, if you will, Danny, to describe all this. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. It was, it was like a diary a little bit. I mm-hmm. Think. It's based on my diary. I was okay. writing um, how, how the things happened every day. I was writing on, on papers everywhere, in my car, in my bedroom. There were papers everywhere, and then I started to organize them little by little. And so is the book is born this way, from the, from the diary, from what I was living and writing every day. Let me read a couple other things you've written. You said uh, after this, this experience, uh, when he died, uh, you said, then everything went out of control. 
I could think only in English following conversations with Michael about art, life, love, and beauty, and the nights were almost sleepless, under the pressure of anguish, suspecting myself to be going insane, I decided to consult a very lovely person, Christy, who knew about spirit manifestation. So tell us about these discussions with Christy. Christy, your friend? Christy is a healer, and uh, I, I knew her before this phenomenon arrived in my life, and she used to tell me that sometimes she can see spirits. <laughs> so in those moments of, of, of fright, I was very afraid that I'm going insane. This is true. It's, this is what happened with me in, in July 2009. So I called her, and I say I have a problem, I have a big problem. And she says, she said, then now I think I know something. And she came at home, and... Uh, Yes, I don't know. I am even afraid to speak her about. She said that she could see him. She said that. I, I won't speak for her. I speak for me. So she tried to convince me to listen to him, to stay calm and stop thinking I'm insane. Just listen to him. And so I did. And it's true about English, yes. In my head, before this thing um, happened, I was thinking a lot in French or Romanian or Dutch sometimes, but not in English, not, not really. English was a, a language to read books or to speak with, with Englishmen or something, but not in my head. And then in, in June and July 2009, suddenly everything was in English, even in my dreams. It was only English. And it's still today. It didn't change. And she told you she thought Michael and you were twin souls. Yes, she said that too, yes. Hmm. Did she, do you understand what she meant by that? I, I, I think I understand now. Uh, in those times, I didn't really understand. I, I, it was difficult. It is it's still difficult to understand. These are things we cannot... <clears throat> sorry. We, we cannot... Um, uh, prove scientifically, we cannot. Uh, the science is not able to say, yes, this is true. We cannot see that, we feel that. Now, what means twin souls? Office oh, is very, very, very long to explain. Something like two cre creatures, they lived many other lives and they could meet each other in other lives. So, after the death or beyond the gates of earthly life, these two creatures can contact each other. Something like that. Hmm. Well, your it's best like friend... A, like, like we knew each other before. Right. Even if we never knew each other here in this time and this life. Something like that. Your best friend, Sylvia, she for a while thought you were uh, just uh, going insane. But then she started to uh, think, well, maybe you have been touched, as she put it, by magic. Uh, Sylvia didn't really... Uh, suspect me for going inside. I suspected myself. Oh, okay. But she thought <laughs> you, she knew that you were declining in your health. She knew you had a problem. She, she knew that I have a big problem because I don't eat, I don't sleep, and it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Somebody who doesn't sleep and doesn't eat and, and take pills to go to work and things like that is not, not healthy. So she was uh, trying to put me back in the normality. She tried. Uh, and she helped me a lot, it's true. She did help me a lot. She was coming to me and checking on me that I'm eating. 
she's still she's still mm. doing. <laughs> and um, uh, Sylvia, Sylvia is Sylvia is my 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 only friend. I can say my only best friend I have, and she understood the situation. She is and was uh, convinced that she knew me before, and she saw the changes in me. Uh, this language, this English, uh, invading like that everything. So she was a big support all the time. How many, how many, how much art have you generated? I guess paintings, drawings, uh, what has come out of this about um, Michael? A lot of, a lot of uh, drawings, uh, drawings I don't, I, 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 I throw them sometimes. I have, so at this moment here around me, there are uh, seven paintings at this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, created in this lapse of time, in two, almost, to be three years. And um, a lot of writing too. Uh, the dialogue, the dialogue continue. They are still. I, I still write. It's not finished. And um, it's only a lot of a lot of poetry and beauty describing visions. I have a lot of visions. Uh, for example, now I'm working at the seventh painting, and I already saw the eighth. The next, I saw it. I have. I began to draw it. It's something like that. It's going on, and uh, before one painting is finished, I see the next who will come. I do them all um, from visions. I don't create a painting just like that. I see them before, like a film, like a video clip. Now, do you show some of these paintings in your book? Yes, they are presented exactly as they came. The first one, which I consider still today not 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 quite uh, as I wished. <laughs> I was very afraid when I painted that one. Then the second one, called Love, is presented in the book, uh, the whole process of creation of this painting. And the third one, The Man in the Mirror, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's starting to be presented in Twilight, and now I wrote the second book, it's, it's not finished. And The Man in the Mirror will be entirely presented in the second book. And then it's another one and another one. So. Now you and s- I, I present them in the book, so I try to help. If somebody will see these paintings, it's very easy to understand what happened if they can read how these paintings were born. Now you say that Michael asked you to write this book. Yes, he did. That was in one of your dreams. He p- specifically spoke right to you. Absolutely, yes. He said, uh, you, you should write. And I said, I can't write. I never wrote in English. And uh, he explained to me that somebody who writes, writes, and the language is just a tool we use. It doesn't matter um, that I used to write in Romanian, in French. It doesn't matter in which language I used to write. The important thing for him was to tell the truth of how... We, how I painted these paintings with him, because he, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put photos in the book and on the cover either. It was uh, interdicted from the Michael Jackson legacy. I don't know exactly, but he is he, and he can be recognized in all the paintings. It's his face. So there's no doubt in your mind and heart that Michael Jackson still exists in, an, in oh, another state of being. Absolutely, I'm absolutely certain about that. I'm sure. Now I am. Three years ago, I didn't know what to say. (laughs) Uh, Three years later, almost I know it's true. 
It's true. It's true for him. It's true for you, for me, for everyone. I don't think it's a, it's a pity we don't know that, but um, we just don't disappear like that. No. And what kind of a response are you getting from people who see these paintings? People do not see them. I keep them in secret. Yes, they are secret. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I explain that in my book. Okay. So why are <laughs> you not... I, I cannot let them see if I, a few people see, and everybody who had seen finds the magic, it's magic, pure magic on canvas. So do you think in the future you will have some kind of a, a art exhibit, a showing of some type, or sell them, I, or what? One, one day I have to... But I have my experience in the art world, and um, if we make an exhibition, we have to have a number of paintings. And you know, I don't want to mix the paintings with Michael Jackson with nothing else. If I do one, uh, if I display them, then uh, they will be only with him. So I have only seven, eight. I must work. I have to work. So you have many more to do that you you have already mentioned. You know, like what the next one's going to be already. Absolutely. In your, you see it in your mind. They come to me. It's very difficult to explain a few words, but you know how it's happening. It's always music. For example, the last painting uh, presents Michael as a child. And uh, first it was the song Got to Be There from the Jackson Files. It was playing in my head day and night, day and night, day and night. And then I, I thought in my head, what's the matter? This means something. Why, why am I waking up in the morning with the song? It's not normal. And I, I used to go in the forest with my dog every day. And then I was walking in the forest. And then suddenly, suddenly it came with painting. I saw Michael little, like as a child, smiling and playing around the tree. And so I see the paintings like exactly like little films. They come to me as video clips, always. Mm. I see them in, in movement. Then I come home and I begin to write what I saw. But they, they remain in me like a memory, you know. They, mm. they stay there. They don't go away. Then I write it down. I need to have the... I need to write them down not to forget details. Uh, very important. Right. And then when the time comes and the painting is finished, because I don't begin one before the other one was finished, when it's finished, I take the new canvas and I try to freeze what is important from the film from the video clip, I, I try to decide what is important for the composition, what should I use from the whole film, and I make the painting. And So the books are, I, I'm writing uh, because Michael asked me to help everybody who would like to see, the people who love art, um, really appreciate to understand the painting from the point of view of the painter, not of the critics of art, you know, it's different. We're talking with Delina. She is the author of her book, Twilight. She's also, obviously, uh, an artist, and uh, she is a pianist. She is involved heavily in the arts and has had this incredible, uh, to her, spiritual experience with Michael Jackson following his death. Delina, tell us how to get your book. Uh, the book is available um, on, online, on the Internet, uh, via Amazon.com, for example, and there are other sites. Uh, the other site of uh, Author House too, it's um, it's available. Well, thank you very much, Delina, for being with us on Author Talk. It's been a, been a pleasure.
and um, I hope people will enjoy this book. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of this book of short stories, children's stories, The City Brigade and Remember the Music and Daffodil Pathway. And the author is Timothy Gerard. And Tim joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Tim. Hi there. How are you? As I've always heard, and you just put the big punctuation point on it, you Irishmen love to tell stories. Exactly. So you've been uh, doing it for some time. You've been writing stories. Irishmen love, uh, just love to tell stories. Basically, uh, I, I think it came from what was originally a, a very um, real pastime in, in the, uh, the social life of, of, of the Irish uh, community. Uh, I was one of the benefactors of... Um, the other uh, beneficiaries, rather, of uh, the storytelling that went on in the environment in which I grew up, and uh, it was a rural area, and uh, the, the storyteller was much appreciated. I like to recount these stories, and I like to—I uh, would like to think that others would have the the one-on-one chance of, of of relating to these stories and learning from them, and that, that that the story element of life wouldn't disappear altogether in the in the face of the onslaught of uh, the on. Uh, slot of um, too much technology. Well, this book has three stories. Uh, one, the first one, the City Brigade. Uh, you got school friends Ricardo and Peter. Let's tell us about Ricardo and Peter. Well, basically, what you have is a, is a couple of kids that are street kids that, that are 
you know, uh, there could be any two kids in any city in any part of the U.S. Uh, who, who see things happening around them in their environment and uh, they, they see certain things that are causing trouble in their lives and they see an, a friend of theirs who has been a victim uh, as a result of the negativity that they see and they, they become uh, frustrated. But uh, without giving too much away on the story, they they, they they get some little bit of extraterrestrial help and some local help as well in, in, in solving the problem uh, uh, which is, of course, is, is, is drugs in, in, in their area. Uh, it's a fun story. It's, uh, it's about a very serious subject, but it's certainly, uh, it's, it's a very, um, it's a nice, it, 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 well, at least I think so. It's a nice light read on something that's very serious, and it brings home the seriousness, seriousness of the, the drug uh, problem to children at a younger age, and hopefully will steer them and help them get on the right path. The dangers of drugs, and this city brigade, though, you start off, it's kind of interesting where uh, this narrator uh, who's telling us this story uh, finds the book in a tree. Right. Uh, basically, this is just, this, is just the, 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 this person is telling the story, and, and the, the, the narrator is really uh, feels that this... That she has been picked to tell the story and um, and, and to relate the story to, to to other people because of the negativity and uh, uh, the problem with that that's, uh, the element of drugs in society. Well, and in the story, uh, Ricardo and Peter get uh, help from a fairly unlikely uh, source, you'd think, but uh, I guess the local girls' hockey team—they're uh, a tough bunch. <laughs> Uh, tough bunch you can't and uh, some some of them with that with with those Irish genes, you know, they don't want to get in, you know. <laughs> so that is uh you you say, let me tell you, you've never seen an army an army like these guys. So uh it's what what age group are you aimed at? Well the basically you you're talking at an age an age group probably you know, from twelve to uh, to, uh from ten to sixteen. Um, of course, it all depends on the, the maturity of the individual. But there are three different stories there, and they're probably like there are three different. Um, they appeal maybe to three different kinds of people. Probably that remember the music would be more like for younger children, young 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 girls in particular. The other one would be a more uh, aggressive kind of thing in in the fun sense, like the probably the, the old western lango uh, for for a child, for a young boy or whatever. Or young girls. In this case, there are girls involved as well. The other one, the the, the daffodil pathway, would be um, would has a certain historical content to it, and it kind of mixes the Irish American and the Irish situation, uh, it, and, and it gives it would probably give a bit of enlightenment to people, especially in the United States, as to how the clan system worked and how how the the, the clans were overcome by by the invasion and the, the subsequent. Um, demise of the clans and uh, the the rise of the, the existing culture in Ireland to a certain degree. The second story is titled Remember the Music, and here we have this close bond between a, a granddaughter and grandfather. Right. And this is, uh, it's, it's, it's one of these areas... Um, uh, a lot of people feel maybe that you shouldn't deal with the loss in, in people's lives kind of too early in life, especially for children. But uh, um, uh, on the other hand, uh, dealing 
with 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 a bond where there's a where there's a terrific last and where one can survive it where and where one actually benefits to the degree that they can go on and lead a great life uh shows it helps in in dealing with 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 suffering when it comes one's way now in the daffodil pathway of it starts out with this young person of going off to Ireland for summer vacation. The parents think that's a good place for for uh, him to go. And what is the significance of the Daffodil Pathway, the title? Well, in 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 a lot of uh, rural areas, uh, the daffodil. Uh, people look forward to the spring, to the new, the new story, the new year, and whatever. And this is kind of a new revelation, a new story to this guy. And he doesn't really realize why it's being told to him in the form that it is. But when you read the story, you'll realize that you know that he, he that there's a very positive, um, a very positive need to, to to. He's being shown that he's being especially picked for the, for some reason, and the reason is explained in the book. And uh, what kind of uh, storyline, what kind of, uh, you know, uh, does he get into trouble where he kind of learns some things? Well, basically, he, he, he's being exposed to his, his, his ancestry and uh, to a history of the, the, um, the inter-clan rivalry that went on uh, hundreds of years before he was born. But he's then... He, he, in, there, there is a mystic in the in, in the group uh, who, who who goes who for, um, foretells the future and, and tells us some of the negative things that could come up uh, in, in, in in the world ahead. And comparisons are made in the story as to um, if one situation could be worse than another uh, in terms of the future or, or the present, where warfare is. And again, it's it, it basically uh, dealing uh, with with the overindulgence in uh, possibly technology and uh, um, uh, the lack of communication between the, the, the intimate lack of com- uh, communication between individuals, which is a growing is a, is a growing problem. You have, you have a terrific amount of information out there. You have a terrific amount of knowledge out there, but you don't have the, the intimacy in in dispensing that 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 education that you used to have when you would have fathers and mothers that had more times to sit around by an open fire and talk things out, you know? So we have uh, a theme in one, stay away from drugs. We've got the other one talking about losses in life. And even in, in that one, uh, which is uh, remember the music, you even have uh, some mysterious angel that is part of the story. Right. Right, it's just part of the, the little bit of mysticism there to explain some of the unknown that's there in time in life, and people experience certain things and they just can't give a, give an explanation for it, and um, it, it just it just gives a, kind of takes it to another level, you know. And also, we must learn from others' mistakes, and that's real important to learn from history too. Right, that's the, the, the you can see what what happens in history and. Is that history um, that a lot of countries around the world that they, they initially teach children history, in, which is basically only a, really a comic book kind of history. It's, it's not. It's not scientific history. It's not. Uh, and, and, and especially the older students going to school need to start looking beyond the uh, propaganda of an individual country or, or whatever, and look at the real history and, and know where they are as individuals. 
Well, this book has three titles uh, for the three children's stories, The City Brigade and Remember the Music and Daffodil Pathway. The author, Timothy Gerard. Uh, Tim, tell us how to get your books. You can you can get it online. You just um, go to www.arterhouse.com and uh, just uh, print in, uh, t- type in the author or, or the title and it'll come up automatically and you can order online. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks so much for being with us on Author Talk. Okay, thank you very much.